All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks to all the, everybody that played. I think everybody up here was from a different country this uh, tonight, except for the, the 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 two Canadians. So that was really cool. I, I love I love when that happens. I love when that happens. And thanks for Five Nations. Thanks for you guys participating. It, 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 you know, if you have some musical skill, we'd love to, you know, have you come up and help. It's just, uh, it makes it more fun. It makes it more fun. Uh, will a man rob God? I'm sure most of you know where that passage comes from. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. I still remember when I first read that passage. Uh, I was sitting under my pecan tree in my backyard um, uh, 3323 North Cyprus, uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas, 1983. I became a Christian in 1983. I've shared with you many times. I was in church all my life, and, and I grew up in the church, and I was baptized when I was eight, and all the things, you know, you do all the things you're supposed to do. And, and, but it didn't mean anything to me. It was just a cultural experience and, and something that I did uh, because everyone else was doing it. And, uh, but in 1983, the Lord saved me. He did what he, what he talks about, you know. He talks about in, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He, 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 he took out my heart of stone, right? And he put in a heart of flesh. And I used to, I used to come home in 1983. I can remember those, those long summer evenings, you know, when, when you have daylight savings time and there's a lot of light outside and you can read all night. I mean, you can read a long time into the night. And I used to, you know, come home and we'd have dinner and I'd spend time with, with the kids and with the family and, and I'd go sit under my pecan tree and I'd just read the Word of God. And it was like God would come down, right? And you guys know what I'm talking about. All of you that are Christians here tonight, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was like, it was like God was my personal tutor. And, and He was, in fact. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit then. But the Holy Spirit was just opening up the text for me. And I was seeing things like I'd never seen before. And it was an awesome, awesome experience. And, and I would sit under that tree and I would just read huge chunks of the Word of God. And I would be filled with awe or with joy or with astonishment or sometimes with great conviction. And that's what happened to me one of those summer evenings because I crashed into Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? And as soon as I read it, I knew I'd been robbing Him all my life. Right? I knew I had. And like I said, I grew up in the church and, and uh, I knew that Christians were supposed to give to God. I knew that. I just hated it. I knew that I was supposed to, if I showed up at church, I was supposed to throw some money in the, in the offering plate. I just didn't like it. And in, in the church I grew up in, uh, you couldn't escape the offering plate because it was coming down the aisle every Sunday. Here it comes. And I hated it. Here it comes. And so what I would do is, is pull out the smallest bills I had. You know, I just wanted to be seen giving, right? I just wanted to be seen giving uh, because that was the right thing to do. It wasn't in my heart at all. It wasn't about loving God or worshiping God or, or, bring, or honoring God in my finance. It was about Jim trying to be religious in front of his friends. So the offering plate would come down and I'd get the smallest bills I could out of my billfold. I strategically have no bills in my billfold, right? Uh, and I would crumple them up a little bit so nobody could see how small my, the, my offering was and I would throw it in the offering plate. And that's what, that's what it was like for me as, as a religious person growing up in the church with no true heart for the Lord. It was just ugly religious performance. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. I certainly know a lot about that. But the Lord changed my heart. As He says in Jeremiah 24, He, he gave me a heart to know Him. And then it all changed. You know, it wasn't about religious performance anymore. It was about the fact that, man, I'm falling in love with this awesome God. Right? I want to honor Him in my finances. I want to learn what that looks like. I want to know how that how that works in a life. 
And so I'm sitting there in my backyard under my pecan tree, and I read this Malachi 3.8, Will a man rob God? And God says, You're robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? And God says, In tithes and offerings. As soon as I read that, I knew I was the man. I was the man. <laughs> I was guilty of robbing God. But I was really afraid of the implications of that verse. I've shared with you many times. I was a young man. I was 28 years old. And I had a stay-at-home wife. I had two kids, a dog, a cat, two finches, and a mortgage. And when I read that, I thought, how could I ever afford to be a sacrificial giver to God? I mean, there's some practical issues here, right? And, and I was telling the morning congregation, you know, the problem is that many of us, and this was where I was at this stage of my life, my life was all about Jim, right? It was just all about Jim. My whole life was about Jim. I'd structured my whole life to please Jim. I'd gone into a lot of debt to buy some things because I thought it would please Jim. God was, God was nowhere to be seen in my life when I made my financial plans. And, and so it was all about me. But the Lord had changed my heart. Now I wanted it to be about Him. <laughs> I wanted it to be about Him. But I didn't see how it could work. How could I be a substantial and sacrificial giver? I've got all this overhead. And, I've got, and I'm leveraged up to my eyeballs, as many Americans are. But you know how it is when you read the Bible, right? You read that verse, you get convicted. Bam! Two verses later, there's the promise. You know what God says in Malachi chapter 3? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, He says this, Bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse, so there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And when I heard the living God say that to me, I realized there's a way for me to do this. There's a way. There's a way for me to, to, to give sacrificially to the Lord. I don't know exactly how it's going to work yet, but I want to get in on this. I believe Him. I'm going to test Him in this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says this. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Lord says, test me in this. I've shared this book with you uh, several times. I just want to show it to you one more time in case you get out of here before I get them into the church. I'm going to have a shipment coming. Uh, you need to read this book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. You need to own this book. You need to read this book. You need to, you need to give this book out to friends and family and to your children. This is an awesome testimony about what it means biblically to honor God in your finances. It's a great, great book. And Randy Alcorn says something. I'm going to close this window just a minute. Randy Alcorn says something. He says, don't ask, don't tell, doesn't work. Okay? He says, don't ask, don't tell, doesn't work. And he says, this is the policy of most churches in regard to giving. Don't ask me how much I'm not giving and I won't ask how much you're not giving. Right? It's all kind of, as Alcorn says, it's all kind of done under a basket. It's all, done, it's all kind of done under a basket. And, and what he says about this, and I like this point, he says, we lack communication, we lack accountability, and we lack modeling in the church. You know, he says, it's great to have prayer warriors. Yes, we need prayer warriors. But you know, you know something we also need is, is giving warriors. Giving warriors. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. If you go to George Barna, you know, George Barna is a great researcher, pollster, social scientist. He's always polling Christians, and he's always getting all of these statistics about American Christians, right? So, uh, this is what he found out. Now, supposedly, all of the respondents here are, they claim to be born-again believers, okay? And this is what he found out. 
Only 7% give at least uh, a tithe to the church. Only 7% of those who say they're born again give a tithe to the church. The amount of gross income uh, given to the church from these family households averaged only 3.8%. 18% of professed born-again adults give no money at all to the church. So, will a man rob God? Apparently so, even within the body of Christ. Even within the body of Christ. These are sobering, sobering statistics. God is getting robbed right and left by the people who say that they love Him. And I think Alcorn makes a valid point here. You know, this is something that, you know, if you read Romans, I think it's Romans chapter 12, there's a list, list of gifts there. One of the gifts, one of the gifts is giving. And we need, to, we need to share our giving stories. We need, to, we need to learn how to share our giving stories. Yes, the Lord says, do not practice your righteousness before men. Absolutely, that's not what we're talking about. And we're not to des desire to be seen of men in our giving. Absolutely, that's not what I'm talking about. And we're not to let our left hand or, uh, know what our right hand is doing with res respect to our giving. That's not what I'm talking about. And the Lord says we're to give alms in secret. Normally, this is how we will do things. It's between us and the Father. That's how it should be done. We don't seek the praise of men. We only seek to please our Father. But the Bible also tells us, Hebrews chapter 10, 24, consider how we may spur one another on to good works. And you know that famous verse, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that your Father is glorified. I think there is a right way that we can share our giving stories. I, I think there's a right spirit in which we can share our giving stories. First Chronicles 29, 1-9. David and the rulers of Israel, they came to the people and they said, this is what we've provided for the, the, the temple of Solomon. And they just enumerated their gifts. And the people were in awe. And the people rejoiced. And the people uh, responded. There's something, about, there's something about sharing our giving stories. I think Alcorn is right about this. We need to learn how to be giving warriors. And we need to model that in the church. We need to model that in our families. And you know one of my heroes, George Mueller. Um, not only a great man of faith and prayer, but he was a giving warrior. He was a giving warrior. Uh, over his lifetime, and of course only, the only reason we know this is because Mueller uh, put it in his biography. Uh, Mueller's not wanting to be seen of men. Mueller's trying to encourage the church. Okay? But over his lifetime... Mueller received 93,000 uh, pounds for his personal support. He gave away 81,000 pounds. <laughs> Do the math. 87%. This man was a giving warrior. He was a giving warrior. And we used that analogy a year or so ago when I talked about this. You remember? We're supposed to just be like a garden hose. We're supposed to hook up to God. And God is just the, supposed to flush His blessing through us, Right? That's all we are, is a conduit of the blessing of God. That's what we're supposed to be. Now, Mueller, Mueller was more like a fire hose. He just hooked up to God's fire hydrant, and God just pushed blessing through this man. Unbelievable blessing through this one man. And we talked about that, fire hose, that, that, that garden hose analogy, how some of us have kinks in our, in our garden hose, right? And, and there are kinks. And we talked about this last week. It might be a trust issue. We may not trust God enough to actually give sacrificially. We need to deal with that. Or we may have a treasure issue. We may actually like our money. We may, may, actually, we may actually have a, a greed problem. We need to deal with that issue because we need to get the kinks out of our hose. 
And the blessing of God just needs to flow through our lives. That's what it's supposed to look like. We talked last week about the FedEx guy, right? God is giving us a package of resource and we're supposed to take it and we're supposed to deliver it to the need. Yes, in between there, uh, the Lord lets us uh, name our own salary, how much we're going to keep of what He's given us, right? And, but this is a stewardship. This is a sacred stewardship He gives us. As we talked about last week, God doesn't prosper us to raise our standard of living. He prospers us, he prospers us to raise our standard of giving. Okay? So we're, we're supposed to just be a conduit of the blessing of the Lord to the world and to the church. We need to hear stories like R.G. Le Tourne. Right? Pretty good? Le Tourne. Obviously, this man is a Frenchman. He's got a cool name, okay? But he invented, um, he invented earth-moving machines, okay? This man, because he wanted to be an encouragement to the church, we know that this man, this man gave away 90% of his income over his lifetime. 90%. Isn't that an awesome thing? And he said this. I want to quote him right. He said, uh, he says, I shovel it out. But God shovels it back in, and God has a bigger shovel than I have. Amen? God has a bigger shovel than I have. And, and, and that's, that's Malachi chapter 3. God says, my shovel's bigger than you. Test me. Test me. Honor me in your finances. Worship me in your finances. Bring an offering to my house. Test me. My shovel's much bigger than yours. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And read the great biographies. Read about John Wesley and Amy Carmichael and Hudson Taylor. Read about these men and women of God who were giving warriors. Giving warriors. Yes, they had other ministries, but they were giving warriors. They caught the vision of what God is communicating to us in the Word of God. We're going to talk more about that. Talk more about that. You know, sometimes people tell me, they tell me, I can't afford to give sacrificially. Well, you know what the Word of God says? The Word of God says, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. And this is the, the, the metamorphosis that God was taking me through as I sat be, uh, under that pecan tree back in 1983. What did God tell the Old Testament Jews through the, the prophet uh, uh, Haggai? Remember? God says, you, you live in your, your fancy homes. You live, you live in your paneled houses. But my house lays in disrepair. And you remember what God said to him? You remember what God said to him? He said, consider your ways. You have sown much, but you harvest little. You earn wages, but you put them into a purse that has holes. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I'll blow it away. Why? Because you neglect my house. Because, you, <clears throat> because of, of you, the sky has withheld its due, and the earth has withheld its produce. God is clear. When His people are robbing Him, He withholds blessing. We see it over and over and over again in the Scripture. God says, when you're accumulating at my expense, when you're indulging yourself at my expense, He says, I'll blow it away. I'll blow it away. That's what He told the Old Testament Jews. Remember Proverbs 11, 24-25, there is one who scatters, and yet he increases. He's a liberal giver, and yet God increases what He has. He's giving it. But God's shovel is bigger. And God is increasing what He has. And there's one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want. The one who, who holds back results in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. 
Proverbs 2, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God says, Honor me in the first of your produce, in the first of your income, in the first uh, portion of your wealth, and I will bless you. It's just the formula of God. This is the Word of God. (laughs) And I want to share it with you. And I want you to learn how to live like that. If you're not living like that, I want you to maybe go home and spend some time with the Lord and start to pray about how you can structure your life in such a way that it's not all about you, it's also about God. And you're honoring God. You're honoring God in a way that, that He can bless. That He can bless. You know, the New Testament, we talked about this first the last couple of weeks, Luke chapter 6. The Lord says, give and it will be given to you. He said, by your standard of measure, I'll uh, measure it back to you. There it is again. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 13. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having a sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. You hear what he says? You'll never run out of resources uh, to do your good deeds. Never. I'll never let you run out. Isn't that an awesome promise? I love that promise of God. You'll never run out. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and uh, bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for your liberality. God's saying, test me in this. He says it all the way through the Bible. Test me. You learn how to be a... you, You stop being a keeper and you learn how to be a giver. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. God's a giver. God is the the quintessential giver. God is an omnipotent giver. God never stops giving. And He's calling His children to be the same. We need to learn. We've got this Western mindset of... of, of, uh, 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 Randy Alcorn used this phrase, affluenza. Not influenza. Affluenza. Affluence. And accumulation. And things. You know, one of the biggest growth industries in the United States is, is, uh, is uh, remote storage. This is a sad commentary on the culture. <laughs> People buy so much junk. They have so much stuff. They can't keep it in their house. They've got to rent someplace else to put their stuff. Friends, God's calling us to simplicity. God is calling us as Christians to simplicity. And I want to say something to you. I want to say something to you. God doesn't need your money. <laughs> I hope you know this. God doesn't need your money. But you and I need to learn how to give it. Uh, the Word of God indicates that we need to learn how to give it. We need to learn how to do that. There's, uh, if we are robbing God to sustain a lifestyle that we desire, uh, that's a sin according to the Word of God. It's just what it is. Not only is it a sin... Guess what? You lose. You lose. You lose the blessing and the promised reward of God. I, I, learned, I, I love studying the Bible. I love that, I get you, that you guys pay me to do this for a living because I was sitting behind my desk this week and, and, and uh, you know, I was thinking about Galatians 6, 7 and I'm thinking, well, I, don't, I've ne- I never knew that Galatians 6, 7 was in the context of giving. I never knew it. You know that great warning verse that we throw around many times? It says, it says do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. I never realized that that verse was in the context of giving. And I want to make a clarification here. And yeah, I'll get to the text in a minute. I'm not, I'm not preaching verse by verse tonight. 
I'm just trying to tie some loose ends up from our little mini-series on, on giving. But I want to make sure you understand, I'm not preaching health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm not preaching that. That's a, that's a blasphemous message. It's a false message uh, that many people abuse. It mocks and dishonors the gospel of Christ. It is a disgrace. To present God in such a way that He's like a cosmic slot machine and you put your dollar in, you pull the, you pull the lever, and here comes the Rolex and the Mercedes and a house at the lake. You know, and the Armani suits. Friends, this is blasphemous to God. And this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying this at all. I'm not, I'm not preaching the, the prosperity gospel. Listen, I want to say to you, sometimes when you give sacrificially, it's going to be what? Someone tell me. Someone guess. It's going to be what? When you give sacrificially, it's going to be what? A sacrifice. Yes. Sometimes it will be. And so what the, what the born-again believer does, what he does is he, he just leaves that to God. Whether God wants to bless me today uh, in a temporal sense, in a material sense, or whether God's just going to hold it for eternity, it doesn't really matter. I trust, the, I trust God. He's my giver. He's my Father. Right? I trust the Lord. I leave that to God. We happily leave the promised reward of God to God. I'm not demanding that God give me a Rolex and a Mercedes and a house on the lake. I'm not demanding that. You know, have, you, have, you, have you ever, anyone asked you this question? Um, if you could have a wish or if you could have a prayer, what would it be? You know, my answer to that has always been, I will let God decide. Because <laughs> He knows better. He knows better. He knows what tomorrow looks like. I have no idea. You know, he knows better. He knows better. I love, I love that great verse over in uh, Galatians 6, 9. We give and we leave it with the Lord. Galatians 6, 9. And let, uh, let, us, uh, and, and let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. We leave, we leave the reaping to God. We leave the timing to God. We leave it to the Lord. And we just happily give to our awesome, worthy God. Because it, it, not only is it a delight to Him, it has become a delight to us. Yes, sometimes giving in a sacrificial way will be, will be a sacrifice. And I love what Alcorn says about it. He says, it's much easier to give substantially and live on 90% or 50% or 10% of your income inside the will of God than to live on 100% of your income outside the will of God. I think, I think I'd have to say amen to that. I'd have to say amen to that. Uh, turn with me quickly. I'm just going to very briefly make a couple of points in Luke chapter 12. I'm not going to exposit the text. I just want to make a couple of points uh, in Luke chapter 12. Verse 15, you'll notice that Jesus starts this, uh, this discourse off with the word beware. And I was telling the morning congregation, this is the, the, the strongest warning from the lips of Jesus in all the New Testament. You, uh, it, I couldn't find a stronger warning from the lips of Jesus. This is the only time this Greek word is used in the New Testament, okay? And, and the, 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 literal Greek, the, the, the literal Greek is beware and keep back. The NIV translates it, watch out, with an exclamation point. So what is this, what is this uh, strong warning from the Lord Jesus? What is it about? Is it demons and do, uh, uh, false doctrine and devils and adultery and murder? What's it about? What's it about? It's about money. It's about money. It's about... 
uh, letting greed get into our hearts. And so this is the, the strongest warning from the lips of Jesus. And he begins to tell a parable about a certain rich man. And I want to interject here before we take a really brief look at that parable. Who do you think of when you think of a rich person? Anybody? Who? Berlusconi. He's a very rich man. Anyone else? I think of the Google boys. I don't know their names. You know the guys that came up with the Google thing? They're like billionaires just overnight. Boom. Billionaires. Uh, uh, somebody that grew up in my home state, Sam Walton. Uh, uh, for a long time, he was the richest man in the world. But what I want to say to you is, all you got to do is go look in the mirror. All you need to do is go look in the mirror. Statistics will tell us. Statistics uh, tell us that if we make uh, more than 10,000 U.S. dollars a year, we make more than 85% of the rest of the world. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know how rich God... Do you know how God has prospered you? Do you know how rich you are? If you make uh, 37,000 U.S. dollars a year or more, you make more than 95% of the rest of the world. Listen, that's pretty lofty... Uh, uh, Percentages, I think. It's a pretty lofty percentile. Friends, we're rich. I know we don't think of ourselves as rich many times. And yes, I understand there are costs of living implications. I understand all that. But friends, we're wealthy. We're rich. We're rich. And God is calling us in Luke chapter 12 to be not only rich, not only does it please Him to bless us, but He's calling us in this prosperity, in this prosperity to live a simple life. So the Lord can just flush blessing through us, right? So we can be that FedEx guy. We can be uh, the FedEx guy. So look, look here with me if you would. You heard the text read. This, this guy had a problem. His land was so productive. And he began thinking to himself. And you see this orgy of personal pronouns. There are eight eyes and four mys. This guy, his first mistake is he's going to make two major mistakes. He may make more. I'm going to highlight two. Uh, he thinks this stuff is his. Let me ask you, do you think your stuff is yours? It's not. <laughs> Four times explicitly in the Bible, God says, everything on the earth is mine. All the gold and silver is mine. Everything is mine. It's not yours. And here's the problem. When we start to think like it's ours, this is a huge problem. We've kind of crossed over into a danger zone. It is not ours. It is God. We are only stewards of it. This is how the biblical Christian needs to think. It's not ours. It's not my car. It's not my apartment. It's not my computer. It's not my cash. It's not my savings account. It's God's. This guy got it wrong. He thought it was his. He says, what am I going to do with my barns and my grain and my goods? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Can you imagine? What does he decide to do? Eat, drink, and be merry and hoard up. But can you imagine the, the accounting this man has to give before God? Would you want to be this man? Would you want to be this man and stand before God when God says, what did you do with all that wealth I gave to you? Would you want to stand there and say, well, I ate a lot. I drank a lot, and I was merry a lot. Would you want to stand there and say that to the Lord? And, and when the Lord says, well, what did you do with the rest of it? Would you want to stand there and say, I hoarded it up in my barns? I didn't give any of it to anybody. I hoarded all the wealth you gave to me. Would you want to give that kind of an accounting to the Lord? Because listen, brothers and sisters, 
uh, we've talked about, you know, we will give an account. We are stewards. That's what we are. And a steward always gives an accounting. A steward always gives an accounting. The second error this guy made is he thinks he's here to stay. <laughs> he thinks he's here to stay. He says, I'm going to hoard it up for the rest of my life. What does God say to this man? You're out of here tonight. Friends, we're not here to stay. We're here to go. We're here to go and we're going soon. What does the Bible say to us? We talk about it all the time. We are vapors upon the earth. We are a breeze. We are like grass. We are like a shadow. We are like a breath. We are like a phantom. This is what human flesh is like upon the earth. Verse 20, God says to him, You're a fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God says the man who takes what God gives him and simply indulges himself, God says that man's a fool. And, and God says the man who takes what God gives him and hoards it up and so he'll have piles and piles and piles of treasure, God says that man's a fool. Friends, it's my, it's my responsibility to stand here as your pastor and, and caution you. Don't build your life like that. Because the living God says that's foolish. The living God says that that's foolish. I want you and I want me to be increasingly like the FedEx guy. More and more and more going to the knee. More and more and more going to the knee. Let's drop down real quick to verse 32, verse 33, okay? And then we'll be finished. I just want to make a few quick, a few quick points here. <clears throat> if you look here in verse 32 and 33, you'll see three things. The Christian... The, the born-again believer is to live with no fear, no junk, and no loss. And I want to show that to you. Jesus talks about how, how we're supposed to trust Him in all things. We're not supposed to be anxious like the world. We talked a lot about that last week, and I'm not going to go into detail on that. Uh, but we see here in verse 32, Why should we have no fear? Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Why can we not be afraid? Why can we give liberally? Why do we not have to hoard up like the world? Why? We talked about it last week because God's God and because He's the kind of God He is. We have what? We're a little flock, so what does that insinuate? What does the little flock have? A shepherd with a big S, capital S. The 23rd Psalm kicks in. The Lord is my shepherd. What? Someone tell me. I shall not want. And how does it end? Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Friends, if you believe that, you can be you can be a giving warrior. You can be a giving warrior. You can be a giving warrior if you believe the 23rd Psalm. We have a shepherd. What else do we have? Oh, what does the verse say? We have a father. We have a father who begrudgingly is giving us a small pittance of an inheritance. Is that what the text says? What does the text say? A father who... What? Someone tell me. Gladly gives the whole kingdom to his kids. Oh, man. Man, we're infinitely wealthy. We're infinitely wealthy. Oh, let's don't be, let's don't be guilty hoarding up pennies and nickels on the earth. Man, we're, we're co-heirs. We're co-heirs, right? Then what else does he say? We have a king. We have a sovereign king. Our father is the king and he is giving his kingdom to his 
children. The other thing I want you to see here in verse 33 is we have no junk. Sell your possessions and give charity. We're not supposed to be burdened down with junk. We're not supposed to have a bunch of storage facilities in rent. Okay? We're not supposed to be burdened down with a bunch of stuff. And I, I want to remind you, this is not a prohibition against private property. And this is not a call to poverty. God is not calling His children to live in poverty. But what He's doing, He's calling us to live in simplicity. To live in simplicity. That, that, that we would have less, less kinks in our hose and more water would get through. More blessing would get through to where the need is. In the church. And in missions and around the world. You've got to love what Jesus says. He says, it's better to be a giver than a keeper. He said it actually a little different. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, it's more blessed to give than receive. Does anyone believe it? Anybody? Anybody? We do have people that believe it. This is what the Lord God says. It is more blessed to give than receive. Last thing I want to point out. Look what it says in verse 33. Make for yourself purses that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. There is no loss in the Christian, for the Christian. No loss. No fear, no junk, no loss. When we're laying up treasures in heaven, Jesus says it's an unfailing treasure. And I love what Matthew 19.29 says. The ESV translates it and says we will get a, a hundredfold return. Does anybody know what percentage a hundredfold is? Somebody that's really good in math. Anybody? Okay. I bet Chan knows, but he doesn't want to show off. That's a 10,000% return. Listen, if a man walked in here right now and said, I can guarantee a 10,000% return on your money, how many of you be reaching for your billfolds in about three seconds? In your checkbook? God is saying that to you tonight. God is saying that to you tonight. I guarantee you a 10,000% return on your investment in the kingdom. It's a no-lose proposition. Friends, this is awesome stuff. Right? This is awesome stuff. I love it. I love it. Okay, I'm finished. Will a man rob God? Absolutely. I think God is the easiest person in our life to rob. I don't think any of us would want to say that out loud or talk about it much or admit it. But here's the bottom line. God's not going to call you. You're not going to get a collection call from God. You're not going to get a collection letter from God. When you're robbing God, the police aren't going to knock on the door. It's easy to rob God. The whole world is robbing God. And the statistics seem to indicate that much of the church, the church that professes to love Him and worship Him and adore Him, is robbing Him as well. Friends, I want to exhort you not to rob God anymore. Not one more day. Not one more day. You get with God and you work it out. No more robbing God. And I, I will tell you, sadly, back in 1983, that's who I was. I was a God robber. <laughs> I've been a God robber all my life. But the Lord changed my heart about it. The Word of God pierced me, and, and, and I was convicted. But then the next thing I found when I was convicted is, is I found this, this appetite and this desire to get in on this thing that God's talking about. For I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know what it was like for the windows to open and for a blessing to pour right down on me. And so this is my giving story. I told the, the morning congregation, this is my giving story. I've been tithing for 25 years or more. For 25 years. And I, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. I'm not bragging. This is my testimony. God has been utterly faithful to me. 
And yes, sometimes it was a sacrifice. Sometimes it was hard. Sometimes there was contention in my home because of this. But God has blessed me. God has blessed me. And all I can do is give Him praise. This is my humble giving story. A former God robber. (laughs) A former God robber. A repentant God robber. God has been faithful. So sitting under that pecan tree in 1983, God said, test me on this. And God has, God has proven Himself to be good. And I want to say to you, if, if, if you haven't learned about giving in a biblical way, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to get serious with God about this. If you've got a treasure problem, you need to deal with it. If you've got a trust problem, you need to deal with it. You know, I, people say, I can't afford to, I can't afford to, to give to, to God like that. You can't afford not to, friend. And this is what I want to say to you as your pastor. This is what I want to say to you. And if you will learn to honor God from the first of your produce, what I want to say to you, you will never regret it in time nor eternity. You will never regret it for a billion eternities ever, ever, ever. And when we get on the other side, you come tell me if you regret it. You'll never regret it. I love what Alcorn says, and I'm done. But I love what Alcorn says. He says, man, he says, think about what you would wish you had given away five minutes after you're dead. Think about what you wished you had given away. Think about how you held it close when you should have let it go. And I think, I think that was very convicting for me to read that. So I'm going to close with uh, this great promise from the Word of God. Malachi 3.10 Test me now in this and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And I always love when Keith Jones reads our text because he always says, this is the Word of God. That's the Word of God. Test me now in this. Let's pray together. Beautiful Lord, we love this, we love this challenge You've laid before us. Forgive us, Father, if we've been uh, God robbers. Forgive us. We now know what Your Word says. We now know this awesome promise that You give us. You've called us to get in on this thing. To get in on the whole pressed down, shaken together uh, blessing of God. This whole opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessing. The whole thing about our barns being full and, and our vats being full. Father, help us if we have treasure problems, if we, if we struggle with, with, with greed, if we struggle with things upon the earth, laying up treasures in heaven. I pray that You would help us with that, Father. That we could repent of that sin. Lord, if we have trust problems, if we don't trust You to show up and take care of us uh, in giving sacrificially, Father, help us to deal with that. May the Holy Spirit teach us that You can be trusted. Lord God, we thank You for these reminders. We all need to be challenged in this area. I love it. I love to to get back into this area and be challenged again because it just renews my appetite to be be more of a giving warrior. To give more. To give more to honor You because it not only delights You, it delights us. It delights us to honor You like that. Lord God, we praise You and we love You. We thank You for this great Word. We thank You for this great encouragement. We thank You for the license that You give us We don't have to be keepers like the world. We can be givers like You. Thank You, beautiful Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to celebrate the table. And uh, uh, we have open communion here, so everyone who has...
uh, professed Christ as Lord and Savior and followed Him in baptism, you're welcome to partake of the table. Uh, uh, the way we do it is Adam will play and uh, prepare your hearts. And when you're ready, come up and take the cup and take the bread. Go back to your seat. Go back to your seat. And then after Adam uh, finishes playing, I'll stand up and I'll read a text and then we'll partake of the elements. Okay? Okay. Please watch your